All the Rage with John Bowd on www.tracksfm.org. Good evening, welcome. It's um, Wednesday and it's miserable. Uh, we're running a bit late because uh, I was running. The phone was going mad today and it was nothing calls, but it must have been about nine hours of conversations anyway. Um, uh, and, and, and actually, I didn't actually achieve anything. So we're running 15 minutes late, but hey, it's fashionable 15 minutes. Um, well, there's no one after my week. show, so, um, you know, <laughs> so that's good. Yes, John, sorry. So la- sorry, because I say last week we did our, our greatest, our, our longest completely off the subject diversion. So this week we've done our longest late to, to get on there. So we're setting standards in 2024, okay? All the rage is, is just... Well, as I said, it's, it's, it's important stuff, you know. Um, it's, it's major stuff. But, yeah, as I said, we're talking offline. I've just had calls. Just, I can't believe the calls I had today, and they were just... And thank God they weren't important, but it, it, it was just people just... I think because people just wanted to talk. <laughs> I think it was members just wanting to talk. But um, sometimes you have to use your experience and just guide them through life. And half the conversations I could have said, look, I'm not your dad. <laughs> yeah. Um, but maybe it's... I always say Wednesdays are mental Wednesdays. Um, listen, um, so we... Uh, I mean, we've got a couple of sub-topics to talk about. But what's interesting, because I, I did do the write-up on, 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 the, um, on the John Bad Facebook page on Starbucks. I was looking at that. Um, mm. And looking at, um, um, so they're not complying anything to do with a recognised trade union, Starbucks, massive corporation time this is. So I've had enough of big corporations and their their view on what they can do immorally and just walk away. Um, and this is everyone, in, not just in the UK, in America, certainly in Starbucks' case. We've got uh, three members of a union or the union or part of a union to be voted in on the board, which they're dragging their feet on. Um, we've got the Labour Relations Board in America um, want to talk to them about numerous stuff that they're not complying with with, their, with a chosen trade union. Um, and it's just typical. It's just typical of this, th- th- these big corporations um, uh, a bit, uh, just sheer brazenness to um, not deal with, with with their workers and deal with their issues and de- issues such as pay and it, it it's all about getting people to work faster, harder for nothing, and mm. and and even if the government over there is or its re- its department that deals with trade unions is on at their heels saying what are you doing you know you got we've got numerous charges against you and they just choose to turn their back you know and if 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 me or John broke the law on a regular basis. Um, we're pretty sure that we'd be up in front of some form of magistrate or crown court. And, and it's about time that governments started looking at criminal charges for these people. Agreed. John? Yeah, agreed entirely. Like you say, um, these this is labour relations. It isn't just a, a question of opinion. It's not a question of the freedom of the market to do whatever it wants, blah, blah, blah. These are laws. This is industrial law that you are breaking. And there should be consequences for that. Now, as we know, over here in Britain right now, there's a very, very high-profile case uh, regarding the post office uh, after a television programme about it. 
we're uh, where they're now sort of finally seeing the public look widely and therefore because the public are looking at it, all of a sudden government tending they care about it is looking at uh, a great injustice a staggering injustice actually of the horizon scandal and that's catching on so you know people are not going to put up with this they're not going to put up with this injustice you have a right to form a trade union everybody knows that many very many conservative people i know think the same thing you know they don't they, they don't disagree they might not agree with this individual union doing that okay but all of those unions are doing what's within their legal right to do so I think the laws need to be changed here. They probably need to be changed in America. But the fact of the matter is I don't care if the people running Starbucks don't want their members unionising. Their members have a right to unionise. We completely support their right to unionise and would love to interview some people from the Starbucks Workers United. And uh, they have a right to do that. So just get out of the way. Or like you say, just let's start seeing some criminal charges. Which, to be fair, I could, more than any time I can think of in the past right now in American history of my lifetime, I could actually see that happening. So... Let's get on with it. I'd donate to that. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's. Uh, I, I think it's getting more and more ridiculous. And the thing is, they have these inquiries in, in various parts of the world. Uh, they're public inquiries, and these people happily go up there and say, yeah, it was me, I did wrong. And those sort of inquiries, because they're not judicial, John, all they are is theatre. They're yeah. just theatre. And, and, and they're so brazen now, they, they don't even hide it. You know, this is what I'm saying. This is how too much power. You've got to be real careful with these people. Not necessarily the right, it's the left as well. You have to find the balance. Because if it goes too much the one way, and I have my criticisms of both on all sides, you know, but you have to, good, good politics is finding the right balance. Very few can do it. Good politicians can. Um, and I could name many names and many governments uh, that have done it in the past, certainly in the 50s, 60s and 70s, um, and some part of the 80s. Even the 80s, uh, certainly Reagan uh, Reagan did have a way of balancing. He did one stupid thing, and they're talking about it now, and it's just totally decimated his reputation, whatever one he had, um, with the air, uh, when he di- uh, dismissed uh, the air traffic controllers, um, and it was just a matter a public stunt, but it was terrible. Um, but he never did it again, and he had to find that right balance. This, these lot, I mean, they're not even hiding it, John. And yet they put them, and then because it's all televised now, certainly in this country as well, they're televising these inquiries, and you get full on live, and they just say, yeah, yeah, we did it, and they, all these, all their team are behind them. They're all writing stuff down, you know, and then it gets into a report, but it's not judicial. They're not they're not bound to do anything afterwards so Mm. can we stop this theatre because I think the public just about had enough of thieves and liars John yeah uh, well I couldn't agree with you more in fact while we're on the subject I'm uh, I'm chatting with you and I'm also scanning Twitter like some um, some teenager with an attention span of a gnat but the reason being because uh, but I was just looking at Brewdog. They've, we'll probably cover this in a later show, but they've just hit the headlines again for uh, cutting people's wages. And um, that's what it looks like. Anyway, I'll read the article properly later, but I just retweeted it. And uh, I've just randomly retweeted an article I haven't read properly, which I do all of the time. So what are you going to do about it? I don't care. Well, and, and this hey. is this is the push for zero-hour contracts in this country because with zero-hour yeah, yeah, contracts, yeah. you can change their hours. And they would putting plants in things like Newsnight, saying, well, I like zero hours because I like to work when it suits me. These are actors being put in the audience, right? These are actors. Oh, yeah. 
it's not real. Um, some do, some very few do, but they the, the the ones that do have had wealth passed down to them, so they've got a house or something that their father yeah. or mother or has Tory, given. Or they're Tory party members, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's just one of those things, you know. I mean, I'm not. I, good luck to you if you get that. But don't don't be telling that. the majority like zero hour contracts. Yeah. So I remember quite early on when they were discussing this, they had a couple of people on Channel Four News, and one of them they had on there was some geezer who does driving. I think he was a chauffeur or something, and he was semi-retired. You know, he was he well. I think no, I actually think he had yeah. So he had retired from his day job. I suppose that, that does make him semi-retired. And, and he was just picking these things up when he felt like it. And I was looking at it going, well, good for you, but how the fuck is that a way to make a living? I mean, I can't believe putting this person on, if you must, that's fine. But at no point did the interviewer actually say to him, well, okay, but what's your, what's your economic situation? Because you look pretty well off. You know, you've, have you paid off your mortgage? Have you accepted all the kind of stuff you're saying? And that really bothers me if you're going to put someone like that on a show. And I'm not talking about censorship. I'm saying don't put somebody on if you ain't going to ask them the right questions. And that was a, that was a classic example. It's, 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 a, it's a classic case because we're, we're asking the question of, of how we get the youth, the opportunities that we had when we were saved up and got a mortgage. Um, now, and we were, had to show the bank that we had a business plan. This is what I get every week. This is what I get every month. And you're able to budget a year in advance even. If you get a pay rise, you can put that pay rise a little bit into your pension. These are all the... That's a bit of advice there, by the way, kids. Um, so these are the things we're able to budget. You cannot budget on zero hours. It's never going to happen. You cannot plan a month in advance. And this yeah. is the this, this this is this is the strategy. This is the strategy. And they could give two monkeys how you're going to get you on in life. You don't get a mortgage. I'm telling you now. I know it. I've seen it happen. You don't get a mortgage without. Do you know one of the honestly? I think I've told this story before, but something um, I actually think is quite well. It's a quite quite a powerful example, which is why I use it. So you and I know that when our union does a pay review, does a pay negotiation, they release a document, uh, a letter that goes to to members to say, just to let you know, this is what your pay structure is going to be like for the next five years, right? It's going to go up by this much then, this much then. I've had a couple of people come to me, a couple of people who worked in my place and uh, and our partners come in and say, uh, we're off work today, but we're going to see the bank manager. Have you got that letter that we normally get? So, yeah, yeah, I can print you off a copy. Hold on, hold on five minutes. I'll go and get it. And they take that to their bank manager. And they shout to the bank manager. And the bank manager goes, okay, so you both work at the same place. This is your wage structure for the next five years. Great, I've just approved your mortgage. Because now I know, as per the plan, of course, that you're still going to stay there for the next five years, that this is what your pay is going to be. So I know that you've got you know, the ability to pay off part of your mortgage. And you don't have that, which you don't have that with zero hours. You never will. This is part of the reason, not the only reason, but part of the reason for the crisis of, of people having anywhere to live and not being able to get anything in the future, not being able to plan. Okay, It's not avocado on toast. It's zero hours contracts. Okay, Put that on a poster. There you go. Um, just quick shout out before we carry on, Dave, if you want to come back on that, that's fine. But I just want to talk, as we're talking trade unions, can I just give a shout out to the RMT? Absolutely. Our comrades, yeah. lovely. Comrades in the RMT who are willing to engage in a whole week of strike action in London as part of their ongoing fight with London Transport Management and their government backers pulling the strings. Uh, the only reason why the strikes have gone on for so long as they have uh, is and could have been solved over a year ago, but this is because of the government not wanting to cave into a high-profile union. 
Um, this is the political position of the Tories and it's not working, which is good to see. The strike action has been cancelled for the whole week because London Mayor Sadiq Khan, who I feel like I should say his name like uh, I, there must be a gift somewhere from uh, Star Trek 2 of, of William Shatner doing that thing because that's what it's like being a Londoner these days. Actually, quite often not being someone who's not even from London who who takes to social media to talk shit about the mayor, but there you go. Anyway, strike action was called off because the London mayor stepped in to engage with the union and offered a £30 million fund for the pay round in exchange for cancelling the strike. There's also no strings attached to that. He's not going to tell them how to spend it, etc. Pay talks are also now about to reopen. So congratulations to the RMT for showing us that united power and sticking to your guns is the only way to win. And if you feel angry about the situation getting this far, blame the government for funding the London Transport Management to hold out against the union rather than find agreement. If you think, uh, oh, there's been public money spent on this, not nearly as much public money has been spent on this to back up any of the company or for London Transport for losing money on the days a strike action happens, which was not agreed, which is not something that was in anyone's manifesto, which not put to a vote in a country where we've had three prime ministers, two of which we've had no chance to actually vote on. Okay, that's what that's what they've done. That's government spending public money, never mind about uh, the actual workers getting any cash, which they are, they've earned and which they deserve. So shout out to the RMT on that. Uh, do you want to add anything to that, Dave? Uh, yeah, just to tell people that um, the only reason this strike was going on is, is they refused to negotiate. Um, um, and um, the times that they did, they kept changing the negotiator. Um, and the people uh, in charge of the actual department refused to sit down with them. All Sadiq Khan is said, let's get this sorted, let's negotiate. It was as simple as that. It's as simple as that. Don't A lot of these uh, narrative uh, tra- tra- uh, train staff demands, demands, I've seen that word on uh, junior doctors, demands for wages, um, but teachers' demands. Stop, stop saying the demand, it's just that no one will negotiate. Because that's what unions just do. They ask for 20. They say, we're not going to give you 20. We'll give you 11. That's how it works. It's always worked like that. It's always worked like that. But when you don't negotiate, that's when you get industrial action. So whose fault is that? Because they were ready, those unions, to negotiate. That's their job. That's what they do. John? Yeah. And it's Andy they called it off because I've just been out the last two nights and that would have been a bastard if I actually had to get on a bus. No, we're, 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 we're just happy. We're, we're just happy getting... Uh, uh, which, uh, groups of people just walking around trying to destroy these little cameras uh, for these u lasers and things like that. That's protesting. Well done for that. Well done for that. Yeah. They are a couple of quality muppets, but but, but but what do you what do you think, Dave, about the the increasing amount of Muslimic no go areas in London uh, where where white people aren't allowed to go? Because well, that's that's actually kind of the payoff for this. You know, union members get the pay they're supposed to get to, but uh, waddling uh, Weatherspoons customers who, who never go outside of that that pub anyway are telling us that they cannot go. Just there's parts of London. We're not quite sure what parts they that's, are. That's not true. That that's not I, true, John. You shock me. That is not true. These people are saying, the Brick Lane residents, for example, are saying in one hand that they don't recognise where they grew up. I get that. But then they say, we can't go out. That's not true. That's not true, because my brother no. lives there. It's not true. Yeah. Well, I mean... I tell you what, if you, were, if you were black in the 90s, you wouldn't go to Eltham. I'm not sure, fucking sure you still wouldn't. <laughs> That has always been known as NF country. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just, it's a gloriously ludicrous claim. So if anyone is wondering about that, you know, all I would say, I mean, look, you don't have to necessarily take my word for it, even though I'm right about everything. But if you just, well, one of the things I love is that what you get is you get these videos online of um, some geezer following like four, four to 12 school kids down a street who are female and happen to be Muslim. So they all happen to be wearing a, a headscarf. And he's like, you know, uh, oh, look at this. You can't, you know, this, this is the area's capital. I'm just kind of like, what are these children doing to you? In what way is this a no-go area? Now, now, none of them are even pissing in your garden, which is what we would have done when I was a kid, by the way. And I never wore a headscarf. Uh, none of them are jumping through your head. She used to do that as well. And, you know, and they're not doing anything to you whatsoever. You're literally walking the streets going, this is a no-go area. <laughs> well, if it's a no-go area, fuck off. Anyway. It's, um, it's people creating these forum groups online saying yeah. one thing, um, getting like-minded people on that forum from a different part of the country that don't even live in that part of town. Yep, it's absolutely. scaremongering and they're just talking. And then it just... Ah. And, it, and it's it's uninformed, John. It's a dangerous thing, this social media sometimes. You ain't from London and London, London wouldn't want you anyway. Thank, thank you to Lyle Lovett for... Me cribbing, cribbing a line of an old line from one of his songs. Um, okay, so we better get on with this, haven't we? Because uh, yeah, because I've got uh, so I haven't got too much this week actually. So that's that's Andy. It's only only a couple of things. And you've already mentioned Starbucks, so I can uh, I can jump. I, I actually, you know what? That's I was going to mention that last. Let me jump on that now, just because you mentioned Starbucks earlier this week, and we do a lot of shout outs to the to the earlier this week, earlier this evening. Sorry, to Starbucks workers united. Um, just to say they've made the New York Times not exactly a bastion of, of uh, left-wing and, and pro-Labour political support. But nevertheless, New York Times had a recent story that recounts the ongoing uh, organisation efforts of the last three years by the Starbucks Workers United and the retaliation from Starbucks against their own workforce, which Dave was discussing at the top of the hour. Well, I say the top of the hour. <laughs> we, we were a bit late this evening, in the middle of the hour. Is a pretty good article given information about how the company has said it will negotiate only to reduce the possibilities of doing so and uh, taking in the latest cynical attempt at union busting over social media posts uh, the union made about their support for the people of Gaza. They tried to kick off about that. Apparently, shareholders are not wholly happy with this company on this front either for their anti-union activity and may be open to a challenge to the board over labour issues. Meanwhile, the union has carried on, showing some great intersectional action that has brought many more supporters along with their support. Remember, we actually discussed this a little bit last week about the need for kind of more of this. Intersectionality is a bit of a a smarmy buzzword, but it's also a bit of a reality. And uh, it's something that we we all take part in. And it's a good thing. It's a way of bringing more people on board for your political issues. And political issues are our our issues. They're our life issues, like Dave talked about Zero Hours contracts a minute ago. Um, Along with their support for Palestine, in, in their support for trans issues, the Starbucks Workers United have made some very relevant uh, points, very relevant political and, and um, worker points added to the makeup of their own workforce, of course, among other things. And, and uh, student groups are responding positively in solidarity too, you know, always have done uh, for a long time. It's not uncommon to see student groups sort of striking uh, for the sake of, you know, they, they get like a Starbucks on their campus and they go, well, what are you paying the workers? This goes back to something that was happening a lot in the late 90s, early 2000s, uh, when, uh, you know, cleaners weren't being paid properly. So so student unions were going out, at unions in, um, sorry, at universities and colleges in in America, all over the place. So um, it's a good point. Um, students in George, at Georgetown University 
and Boston University and the University of California in Los Angeles have waged campaigns to remove Starbucks stores from their campuses over these labor violation issues. Union supporters interrupted a forum at UCLA featuring Andrew Campion, Campion, that'll do, a Starbucks board member, to heckle him for, in the words of the New York Times, condoning the injustices that Starbucks workers face. Uh, increasingly, the SWU union even got a non-profit, uh, sorry, yeah, a non-profit group called Step Up. Interestingly, this is, sorry, I said increasingly, interestingly. Uh, they got a non-profit group called Step Up to rescind an award from uh, the Starbucks chairwoman, Melody Hobson. The group focuses on mentoring teenage girls and young women, and they said uh, that Miss Hobson's accomplishments identified her as a strong mentor, but that the union's outreach letter to Step Up shred light on other concerns. As ever, we send our full solidarity with the union and are open to interviews with you on this show. I can't say it enough. Not to mention the fact I may be travelling to America later in the year, so I could maybe hook up with an interview then. Just before we move on to uh, wind turbines, uh, so just interesting, Dave, because you and me had a conversation about this after somebody contacted us about being on the show, um, which is an honour that is not bestowed upon everybody, I'd like you to know. Anyway. Step up. Um, yeah, so one of these step ups, one of these like nonprofits who, as it says here, they kind of like do support for mentoring teenage girls, young women to get them into places. So very much what I would call a um, focusing a little bit on the kind of the individual, not on the collective. Uh, but in this particular case, the union have reached out to them and they've said that they're, they're not very happy with you know, the labor violations are going on. So they've removed an award from someone who they otherwise would have given one of these, you know, meaningless trinkets to, to say, um, aren't I great. Um, no, interesting change. It's a genuinely interesting change. Cause you and I would, do you remember we were talking about it? Someone contacted us and wanted to, Oh, could we come on the show? And we do one of these, you know, um, uh, rewarding women groups. And we said, okay, we're, there's nothing in here about raising the wages of all female workers. There's nothing in here about, um, getting getting women into sort of better positions in trade unions, you know, kind of stuff that interests us. Uh, and and it was all sort of completely individualized, completely neoliberal, you know, completely don't don't change the system, work work within it, kind of crap, which is not right for this show. I don't, I don't think that's unfair to say so. But it's interesting to see that that's happened now with Starbucks Union have done a similar thing, and and the Step Up non-profit has responded to it too. So credit to them there. Yeah, I mean, uh, John's talking about an email, and she was quite persistent, um, but she was talking about not dipping into elements of society which need uh, seeds of encouragement to be an entrepreneur. She was just talking yeah. about to be... It looked to me like she wanted to people to, who were well-off to be more well-off. Yeah, and she was going to use John's platform to do it. Um, and as you know, John would rather reach into those depths of society because i'm telling you where there is deprivation in your community and you grow up in it like you're born into it it's not like we came out of world war Two and we were piss poor and uh, things like the nhs were created and the nugget and it gave people more employment and it actually lifted people not physically but you you know what i'm saying um when it, when you're in that life and you're born into it it's very 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 hard to come out of it um, and I think the email we got didn't really address that, John, did it? No, it didn't. I mean, you're quite right, and, and that was our um, that was our <laughs> viewpoint onto that. As as it is actually at the same time now, um, our viewpoint. To what she was quite is. persistent, and she said, "This is the third time I'm e- emailing you. Know what we're like, John? Are you yeah. instructing us?" 
Well, are you instructing us? Be kind of moaning. It's taking a long time to be honest. Did you see what time we came on air tonight? Do you know how the fuck we run this thing? Okay, it's not. <laughs> it's, it's you know we're very yeah. picky. And, I mean, and by the way, sorry. Do you know why we were late? Because we were discussing worker-related issues uh, that both of us have in in local offices that we are from an aggressive employer. From an aggressive employer. And I'm not going to uh, go into so, detail, but they're in the news at the moment. Yeah. I'll now, leave it wanna, at that. Yeah. If you want to teach all people, including women, and I'm not more than happy to focus on women because I don't think they're represented well enough in our in our unions and our workplaces, I agree with that. If you want to focus on helping them step up to be great union reps and win better terms and conditions for everybody, then we've, we probably have you on the show. But uh, if you're going to do this whole kind of self-promotion, you know, myself as a brand type bollocks, uh, this is not the place for you. So anyway, wind turbines. I, I, I was I was I was tempted to oh, actually say, um, yeah, if you fund or sponsor John's show, because I thought, let me if she's being corporate, let's 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 be corporate. But it, she weren't even offering that. It was just like she was using the social platform, John, for free yeah. freebies. But don't get me wrong; she's probably multi millionaire. But as we know, um, in the news at the moment, if you're rich, there's an obsession to be richer, isn't there, yeah. John? Yes, and it's all done by hard work and effort and absolutely no social issues. Actually, I was going to, we haven't got time to, I'll get, I'll get straight into this now. I was going to talk about uh, a media issue because I am interested in, not, not even necessarily just the content of that program, Mr. Bates versus the Post Office, but I'm very interested in how it has taken on uh, a kind of wider public consciousness. But uh, maybe I'll make some notes. We'll talk about that next week. Anyway, going forward on All the Rage this year, I had hoped to address some of the pressing issues with at least some suggestions of productive action to address these things that's kind of it's not a new year's resolution i don't do those things but it's just like january is the start of a new year so let's start some last year last last week sorry we we're talking about where we are now and going forward with a lot of sort of workers rights things and what we need to do so this week after the uh, thorough and detailed reading of one article or two in a magazine i've decided to start with offshore wind farms something i know virtually nothing about but i'm going to pretend that i do no, no, I know a little bit about them, to be fair. Uh, I have a layman's knowledge, put it that way. Okay, now I've always been a fan of this technology, broadly speaking. Uh, I'm an environment-loving leftist who eats falafel, but also it always seemed to make sense to me to use something that works beyond human power to provide power to humans where possible. If it doesn't cause anybody any trouble, uh, like genuine trouble, it's not throwing people off their land, etc., etc., then why not use the wind? Uh, it's it's going to blow either way. So if you can use it to power something, it just makes sense to me. Uh, offshore wind turbines are often able to generate power for a higher proportion of time than the onshore variety, as wind tends to blow more consistently out to sea. Plus, you are often granted the right to build bigger turbines out to sea than you would be on the land. Offshore tends to generate more power during the afternoon and the evening when demand for electricity tends to peak, uh, very common in, in, in this country. There was, I remember something uh, years ago, they, on one Christmas day, they just, they just said that the, uh, the most amount of power was, was used at a certain point. It was just after the Only Fools and Horses Christmas special had finished and just before something else started. So, uh, I thought that was quite amusing. Everyone, basically, everyone turned their kettle on at the same time. <laughs> so, no, for real. That's, that's what it was. Anyway, uh, anyway moving on. So even during a uh, transitioning time, this can benefit in taking pressure off the existing grid, uh, which is always a good thing. You know, these, these are just simply don't fall for the culture war bollocks. All right. This is just um, simplistic, practical 
methods that can actually give us more energy or make the existing infrastructure better able to cope. And we are transitioning to renewables, okay, whether anyone likes it or not. You can't keep burning shit. But you've got to leave it in the ground. Okay, there's great potential for job growth too, as there are various different stages in the process of power generation. Uh, this is something, it's funny enough, it's something me and my dad have said for years. We used to watch the news and just, you know, you'd see like uh, all of this massive infrastructure building, and including building the equipment in Germany or places like that, the kind of place where they value engineering. And we just used to say, well, why? Why are we not doing this in the country? Why all these all these areas that have, you know, used to have factories and don't now, you know, teach these, these folk, many of these folks are engineers already. Do you know how little effort it would take to teach them how to build wind turbines? And we can sell them all over the place. Solar panels, whatever else, all that stuff. No, you'll be like, mm, that's, that's lefty. Mm. Wankers. Anyway, sorry, stick to the subject, young man. As I, as I said, though, I've been out two nights in a row and I haven't the, the most amount of sleep, so I'm properly wired right now. Um, the best part of my um, opinion, in, in, in best part in my opinion of this, sorry, is the growth of engineering jobs, as I was just saying. This would mean apprenticeships. Uh, you know, we know how people go on about how we used to have them. Uh, it would mean in uh, imbibing people with long-term skills that can potentially be transferable to uh, all the sort of stuff people complain we do not do anymore in this country. Well, we we could do it this time better. Existing oil and gas workers uh, could retrain and transfer, and they could also ease the transition from fossil fuels that we use now to the new green tech. The equipment could be built here too, as I was just talking about, not just imported. So there is something that can be uh, of use, although this has not been the case so far. So this is not a given. There is a case of um, in a couple of things in Scotland that are happening um, where that has not actually been sort of a given. Um, so far, their efforts have largely failed to keep the manufacturing of turbine towers, platforms and foundations local. I'm not entirely sure why. But I might be able to find out more about that going forward. But just because it's not worked once doesn't mean it's not going to work at all. So anyway, some of the positions against it do not really stack up, in my opinion. Automatically discounting the bad faith of those not wanting to save us all from burning to death because someone might think they're woke. The more sensible arguments must be engaged with. I think that's that's perfectly fair. And I'm willing to engage with them. You know, if somebody if somebody in good faith with a smart argument, you know, wants to, to write in or challenge this, I, I will listen to it and I'll do a bit of research and I'll tell you what I think. Uh, where some say the sight of these big wind turbines blots the landscape, I don't hear them making the same argument for offshore oil rigs. Uh, many of the turbines will be in the same place. So I, I don't really think that stacks up. They also don't seem to argue against the onshore blights on landscape like electricity pylons. You often hear them say, oh, I don't want to see uh, big wind turbines in our, in our lovely rolling green fields, um, which, you know, dot the country. Well, OK, but these great, you know, humongous metallic, whatever you call them, towers, I suppose, all the wires running out of them. They've been around since before I was born. And I've never heard anyone talk about them being a blight on the landscape, even though they really are quite ugly. But there's far more arguments, important arguments, about the sea life that can be disturbed by all of this. And that is important. We do need to engage with that. Uh, turbines out to sea are far less invasive than other technologies, though, and I can that, that's certainly any I can think of. They also bypass the problem of being on land, which in many cases I'm also in favour of. But as I said, we can discuss that another week. Previous green technologies, at least the ones approved by our present political order, have often been in place 
uh, an appropriate, inappropriate sites, such as the land of indigenous peoples in different parts of the world or local groups, something being taken away from those without enough is no way to take us into the, a great green future. They often do not really work. Hence, the worst political actors in the world are often fine about their existence. You know, we, we need to be making the worst political actors, the worst economic actors in the world uncomfortable with the things that we're doing. That's that's a way that we know that they're, they're good and they have the potential for the achievements that we need. The biggest problem with the power generated by wind farms and also the infrastructures both are privately owned What they re- when they really, really need to be publicly owned. The dominant model right now is private developers, some owned by European states even, but for some reason not this state, uh, installing turbines, ma- turbines made by private manufacturers on the public land of seabeds under a publicly guaranteed revenue scheme, which broadly speaking means anything goes wrong and fails, the government of that country uses our money to pay off the company so they don't lose out. Similar thing to what we were talking about with the RMT earlier on in London Transport. The industry is basically underwritten by states, using citizens' money through taxes and energy bills. However, all of the profits are privatised. Socialism for the rich, hard capitalism for the rest of us. Now, to be fair in all of this, and I've listed a few of the, the things I think are, are supportable in, in uh, offshore wind turbines. I think they're really interesting. But how can we expect the public to support this if the profits and benefits only go to the same energy companies that are ripping us all off right now? Why should we pay twice, effectively? If we're paying for something like this in our in our taxes, fine, then we should get it for either you know free where possible or massively subsidised because we've already paid for a good portion of it. If our tax money backs these companies up, we've already paid. Simple as that. This needs to be publicly owned and publicly run, and this can only happen under public ownership. Presently, the companies investing in this and producing much of the infrastructure are corporations. 40% of renewable energy patents are held by European companies, and turbine technology is dominated by companies including Vestas, Siemens, and Nordex, plus US giants General Electric and a Chinese company, called Goldwind. They're also involved. The World Bank is now looking to get involved, which is never a good sign, while the industry is represented by the Global Wind Energy Council. Uh, Don't know a lot about Global Wind Energy Council. Don't know how you get on that council. Don't know what power they have. In short, we do not want neoliberal green solutions or green wash. Clean energy must be a project of the people. So, yeah, just a couple of things. I thought that was important to address that. I think it's good to talk about these issues, even if I'm learning a few more things about them myself. That's fine. If some of my listeners might be learning, so I'm learning too. We can all learn together. That's not a bad thing. Uh, Dave, what, what do you make of, of all of that? Well, it's, it's interesting because um, while we, well, some people, and, um, it sounds like I just criticise the UK or even the US. Um, it's interesting that countries like Dubai, Qatar, um, Saudi Arabia, um, and countries that traditionally would you'd look at and, and say they just produce fossil fuel and that's why they're rich, they began to open their doors to, to tourism, concerts, sports events, because they realised that you can't just rely on something you've traditionally always produced um, or, or dug from the ground, if you like. Um, so they're, 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 these countries that we think they're just deserts and desert rats and it's just all desert, uh, in fact, they're remarkably um, way ahead technologically, beautiful, clean countries, um, bit pricey, um, yeah. but they're looking 
And, and, and this was from the 70s, these countries were saying, listen, we can't rely on this fossil fuel forever and a day. Let's start looking at different ways where we can, in, you know, invest in. Um, and that's what they're doing. Yeah. And, it, and it's really odd because the countries that you would think are these magnificent land of whatever and the greatest thing ever created are actually way behind thinking. Um, all we're doing really is just getting together six or seven of you and just attacking, uh, doing your little, your little, your little protests, you know. And um, really, it's just racist protests. I've got to be honest with you. I know what you're about, and um, and that's that's our contribution to uh, the, the, the 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 global warming, shall we say? Um, that's our contribution. That's our contribution to society. It's interesting, John. Um, yeah. Uh, so millions of years ago, we had um, different changes that happened to our universe. Uh, things like an asteroid would change, and the dinosaurs went, and then there was the cold, and then you know, and different things grew from that. You know, different. Yeah. Uh, nature decided it would create different eras of, and uh, and so humanity was the last one. But all these things that took place were natural disasters, and it took millions of years. Just to let everyone know that the current the current crisis we got in global warming is a it's not natural, and it's actually going to be quicker than any of the things I've just mentioned that happened millions of years ago. It's actually uh, self brought on. We've done it to ourselves, and it's accelerating a lot faster than any natural disaster that's happened previously in this universe. Yeah, it's not just Sadiq Khan. <laughs> All right, you must understand that. You must understand that. So put your little, put your little effigies away, and start reading and watch what's happening to this planet, John. It's amazing to me, speaking as somebody who doesn't have a, uh, any kids, um, that they, although I technically speaking got some nephews and uh, well, no, I've got some ne- no, I've got some nephews. And I've technically speaking got some grandkids. But, um, you know, to just the way that you folks just don't give a shit about the way the world's going, you're just so self absorbed and so brought up within this whole notion of, as I say, this ridiculous fucking uh culture war crap. Um, it, it's just amazing to me that you just honestly like you just don't care, you don't even care about life, you know. But these people on one side, like, oh, I'll do anything for my kids. Well, how about changing your car? How, how about changing your, your lifestyle? How about getting some, some like, uh, you know, heating that actually doesn't, you know, burn up a good portion? And actually, not even just your own kids. How about everybody else's? You know, it's very much a time we live in now. We, we have done forever, really. But when you've really got to put it on the line about whether or not you, you genuinely care about the needs of others. You know, it's just something that you pick up and put down whenever you feel like it. And that's really indecent. Uh, you need to care about, for instance, you know, if you care about children so much, you should probably be objecting to how many are being brutally slaughtered by Israel right now in Gaza, among other things. Um, yeah, so it, 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 I hate to I hate to end this with my normal way of saying interesting because that's totally meaningless. Makes me sound a bit like Elon Musk. That's but, interesting. Um, that is. <laughs> interesting. It is. It's very interesting. <laughs> It's, um, yeah, but it's just like, okay, I'm, I'm being, I don't know why I'm being nice, actually. I should probably just have a bollocks to that. I should probably just say, stop being a bunch of uh, inhumane hypocrites and get behind the, the need to actually change. You know, things are changing and are going to change whether you like it or not. Nothing is, A, I mean, I could talk about this for hours, right? 
But A, nothing can be frozen in time so that it never changes. Uh, and whether you want it to or not, you know, and B, why would you want it to? No, so just broadly, there's a lot that can be explored under those two headlines, if you like. But those are just two things that I, I, I wanted to put forward. And it, have I got time, Dave? Can I squeeze one more little Absolutely, story? John. There's a lot going on. When, when we open the, the lid, it, it leads on to other stuff. Go for it. We do. And we, we can fuck about afterwards if you want before your show. But I just wanted to say this. Uh, so speaking of energy, civilians in the autonomous region of north and east Syria... Uh, NES, also known as Rojava, are facing a winter without water or power after Turkish airstrikes targeted and hit essential infrastructure. This region has been under attack from the start due to the long-running suppression of Kurdish people from the Turkish state, but especially when set up in an autonomous region like Rojava. Uh, especially this is one of those things that can't really be seen to, to, to work, you know, otherwise it, it undermines state. Uh, these latest attacks have cut power for 2 million people. Raids on oil fields have reduced petrol production by 60%. Fuel prices are expected to rise drastically. So again, this is a human-made disaster. The autonomous administration rely, relies on oil exports presently for the majority of its budget, uh, which also subsidises fuel, bread and medicine. This is why, again, talking about transitioning out of using fossil fuels, this is why it needs to be a transition and not just a complete cut-off, otherwise it all messes up a lot of things. Uh, they also, it also funds aids, uh, sorry, aid to the running of schools and hospitals, plus any planned post-conflict reconstruction will be uh, aided by the funds raised by this. So Turkey knows what they're doing by targeting this. Uh, this kind of damage to the structures for living can escalate quickly, as we are seeing in Gaza right now. Humanitarian crisis is only a breath away. Right now, full-scale repairs are said to be impossible and estimated at costing over $50 million. Spare parts are not able to be imported due to the economic blockade imposed by hostile neighbouring states, Iraq, Syria, and, of course, Turkey. So uh, the Rojavans, if you would call them that, are being, uh, Kurdish folks are being isolated by the countries of which they have always been members of, but of which they have never quite been allowed to have their own state. Uh, Turkey's attacks on the region and the people have gone on for a very long time and they have never really been held to account for it. They they get rather too much of a sort of pro-Western pat on the back for want of a more articulate way of putting it. Uh, the standing of Turkey on the international stage is not addressed enough. And while this is not the magic answer to anything, I would ask listeners planning to have a holiday there to please think about the government action that you are normalising by doing that. Uh, by by giving your money to that country and, and allowing it to be successful in in a certain way, please please just think about that. I'm not saying not going somewhere is 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 the be all and end all. That kind of um, consumer boycott is is not really very meaningful, but it is when it's done on en masse. And I think uh, if, for instance, Turkey's tourism industry took a hit, and people were saying that because of their treatment of Kurdish people, then uh, the, that would amount to something. International silence only aids the oppression too, so we must speak out against Turkey whenever we can. Now, you might remember we interviewed a UK-based Kurdish representative. I think, if I remember rightly, I think I put that interview out in early 2020, and we talked about the whole region. Uh, it's worth going back and checking out, and uh, and shout out to um, LF if you're if you're listening. You're always welcome back on the show. We give our solidarity then to the Kurdish people and their struggle, and we give it to them now. But yeah, love to 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 cover that issue again sometime. 
it would be an honour, and it would be an honour to have uh, Elif Sarajan back on the show too. Uh, big, big fan of your work. I still see her every so often at the odd, uh, the odd protest. Um, so um, give her a wave and ask her if she wants to come back on the show. So yeah, shout out to uh, shout out and solidarity with the Kurdish people. And um, again, you know, this is this is pretty grim. I mean, looking at this, you know, again, like Gaza, you've just got a place where people have, people's livelihood, people's ability to exist is being attacked. And it's something that, uh, you know, keeps me awake at night. But the very least we can do with this show is bring bring uh, attention to it as much as we possibly can. Do, do you have a, any take on that? No, John, I think it's, uh, I think it's well said. Um, and I think it's an issue that doesn't get talked about a lot and as much as we'd like. But there's a lot of issues that we need to talk about, not necessarily this show. Um, I think there's a lot of issues that, you know, that things need to be spoken about. Certainly over the last three years, it's just absolutely, there's so much to talk about. Um, and I think sometimes we're looking in the wrong place, but hey, that's just me. Um, um, yeah, and um, yeah, uh, that's it, John. Yeah, yeah, well, just, just another little issue. Um, so you want to talk about the way things are changing. Um, even though what I've just read now has really, really pissed me off. Um, the London Latin America conference for 2024 has sold out, uh, which is great. That's great to see, except I haven't got a ticket. I've booked, a, I've, I've gone through the process of booking a day off work for this. <laughs> so I'll be cancelling that in the morning. Um, but no, good on you folks. Good on the folks who run the Latin America conference. I went to it, uh, I think last year. I mean, it's a really, really good event. Uh, shout out to former guests of this show, Claudia, uh, Claudia, sorry, Claudia Tebet-Delof, who's doing some great work over in Hackney now. And of course, our frequent guest, the one and only Dr. Francisco Dominguez, who uh, also tend to be present at that event. Um, be nice if you could get me in. You know what I'm saying? But uh, yeah, but no, it's, that's, that's a good thing. Uh, because again, that to me, jokes aside, that's that's an example of solidarity, you know, and it's an example of one of the the great the great things about London. You know, you can go wherever, any part of the world you want to go to, you can go to when you're in London, and we show solidarity to to all of our folks. Uh, Dave, have you got anything to add? Uh, we I, I know we started late, but that's pretty much all I've got this week. So we uh, can no, I mean, um, so it's interesting. We it, so in London is a melting pot of different cultures. John, you said it absolutely right. Um, and it's a shame because there was such uh, the, the, the HS2 um, debacle, if you like, which would have bridged the north with the south quite well and, and, and allowed people to follow the wealth that is London, which is London is the richest, has the richest square mile in the whole of the universe, uh, certainly in, in, the, in the world. And it would give people access to that wealth. Um, that's been scrapped because there's been obviously a war against the north uh, since the unions in the 80s, which had the steel workers, the coal and the car factories, um, which have all been closed down. And those people have, we have generations up in, nor- in the north who have been born into um, social security. That's it. They haven't had meaningful work. Um, and and that's, uh, they thought they were skint because of Brexit and they voted for a party that would give them that wealth and it just didn't happen. Um, and that's why we saw a lot of, saw a lot of red walls uh, turn blue. Um, but then that would pretty much d- 
describe a good narrative of what this country has become over the last 10 years, more for me, 40 years. If I'm, I'm not criticising a certain party, a politician. I'm just saying we're living in a shit show. Um, we are. Yeah, and we're now turning our attention, all the media are turning our, their attention um, to the fact that you're all skint uh, because of certain races or people taking your jobs and things like that. I think it's disgusting, actually. And I think we should be looking at other countries, the countries that they probably thought, well, they're all corrupt. No, we're corrupt. We're corrupt more than anyone. John? Yes. This country, I, I was funny enough, I was saying this to somebody the other day, um, this country is in zero, <laughs> zero position to throw shit at any other part of the world and talk about corruption. Uh, it's just simply not the case. Uh, it's, I mean, now more than ever, you, you've seen it. Uh, it, you've seen it in in our politics in recent years that uh, this well, blimey look at the state of what happened during COVID. I don't know no one wants to remember COVID happened anymore, but it did. And look at just the staggering level of corruption. That's just a, a mild example. Um, I don't think Mr. Starmer's Labour will be any better, but that's not the point. You don't you don't not hold people to account just because there's another group that you don't like. That's just basically an excuse for being weak and and, and lazy and pathetic. Um, but there you go. So yeah, like yeah, you don't you don't throw any of this. Uh, you don't throw any shit like that at, at, um, at other parts of the world because you have no right to. Simple as that. Um, just uh, on TV. So I was watching uh, a series. <laughs> we're going to get onto this. I was watching a series uh, called Slow Horses, and it's Gary Oldman. Um, I, I wasn't that enamoured by it. It didn't grab me. He he kind of plays a mainstream sort of maverick sort of he's funny i think he deserves to have something mainstream anyway i know he did the batman stuff but he i just think he deserves something like this he for me he can do what he wants because i think uh, films like uh, the production of nil by mouth is just groundbreaking um yeah i was thinking about gary you know i've not seen that program it's it didn't grab me john it gets a bit it's too complicated um, yeah it talks about a lot about spies and things like that but um yeah, I weren't that enamoured by it. I thought his character was good, very mainstream, but as I said, I think he's an actor that deserves that sort of mainstream type, funny type sure. character because uh, he's done some really good stuff, really powerful stuff. Um, so he, he can do what he wants in my mind's eye. But, um, yeah, it's quite good. You know, watch, watch the first series and see if it grabs you. I probably won't have time for that, to be honest. Um, I'm so far behind... Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. That I, so so recently, I, I said I was going to say something about this last week, and I didn't actually. Recently, I I I recorded a new episode of one of my podcasts, which I record very infrequently, um, purely because I don't have the time. Well, it seems I've got a Saturday free now because I haven't got any ticket to the Latin America conference. Not that I'm annoyed, uh, but yeah. So I recently recorded another episode of Marks at Play. Um, not with Jamie this time, but I did it with Chip, who's, who you know from this parish trade union pal of ours, talking about the band Gang of Four. And I will be putting that out as soon as I've finished editing it. So I haven't had time to even do that yet. Um, well, I'm going to edit it, and Dave's going to put it through the nice sound machine, I'm hoping, so it comes out sounding really swish. Um, but, yeah, so I'll be putting that up in the usual places. Uh, Power Cup Podcasts is the name that I put all these things out under. That and Working Class Cinema, I'm working on two of them. So I'm working on, because I'm working on, you know, these things for Working Class Cinema, I need to watch some of the actual films that I want to write about and talk about. Uh, 
So God knows when I'll have the time. But I was just thinking about Gary Oldman, funnily enough, when I was out and uh, doing my job today. And I was just thinking about some of his early work and some of those really interesting. He was such a, and he's, you look at him now again, he's got an interesting career of the people he's played. I'm not particularly in, enamored by anyone who's going to, you know, try and do a kind of humanizing of, of Winston Churchill. Cause I think he was a psychopathic savage, but it is interesting to see someone who's played Sid Vicious, Ludwig van Beethoven and Winston Churchill. And those are just the real life people he's played. That is some acting chops to pull that off, I think. And, uh, and then I'm just thinking about all of those really kind of high energy, you know, fairly twisted roles of, of people, the really compelling roles he would play in his early days from mean time to, to, yeah, to playing, to playing Sid Vicious. Um, the character in True Romance, uh, State of Grace, you know, it's just it's a very interesting and diverse body of work, and I would recommend checking it out. And Leon, of course, where he's massively over the top, but so so much fun. Yeah, I, I just think he he's an actor to be celebrated. Um, yes, um, yeah. and he has a lot of depth, and 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 he has shown as and as a producer a lot of depth. It's a shame he doesn't really do more of that, um, um, because. Um, I think it, it, it kind of showed his background, you know, that Neil by mouth has, I've mentioned it many times, but I think it shows that had, that not just a really deep, dark soundtrack musically, but it was a deep, dark film. Uh, and which was kind of, he said it was a narrative of his life, you know, having an alcoholic father and so forth, an abusive father. Um, and uh, yeah, but he, he, he's so, he's so non non-assuming he doesn't give it the you know it's like a bit like robert de niro he's a very unassuming character but i says that this slow horses i mean some people like it uh they only did three seasons um i can see why because it doesn't really grab you by the second season i'll stop watching it but i think because we've had such turmoil over the last 18 months john psychologically maybe i'm looking something to binge just to get our minds off it because as you said you're working you're constantly doing other things and not doing the thing where you would just sort of get lost, which is nice. So I ended up watching a complete Hill Street Blues <laughs> binge of the whole thing, seven years. Wow. Because I think it's probably my way of just shutting off, because we have had a really psych- uh, dealing with a psychotic employer over the last 18 months. Um, and I think uh, it's safe to say that we've defended workers successfully. Um, not as quick as we'd like, but and I think we just need an escape. And it's a shame you could escape to that um, thing on Saturday, John. We didn't get a ticket. <laughs> just, 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 like, just really. I right, do you know what jokes are. I'm, I'm, I'm going to text Francisco and Claudia see if they'll get me in. <laughs> just I've why not, John? Why not? Ask them, say, look, they made a mistake. And they have been a guest on the show, John. Yeah, yeah, I'll see, I'll see. That's very cheeky, if I might do it anyway. Um, yeah, 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 no, I, I agree. No, I, I do, you know, I would like to spend more time watching stuff. It's just, uh, I, I tend to, I just, I, not only do I not have the time, I, I've got to be honest, actually, I do find it difficult to kind of switch off. And, this is one of the reasons why I go at the cinema a lot, because then I don't have a choice. Like, if I'm at home, 
I've got a stack of stack of DVDs and a stack of films on Netflix or whatever. I've not watched loads of stuff on YouTube. There's so much free stuff, which is great. I'd love to sit and watch it, but I won't watch it. I'll, I'll wander around. I'll make excuses. I'll start working on notes for another radio show, which is good. I'm not going to complain about that, but you don't get the reading. You know, if I, if I go out, you know, I get on the train, um, I'm going to read more. I'm going to read through a book or a magazine because I've taken it with me. There's nothing else to do. Don't talk to me. If you ever see me on the train, just don't, don't just leave me alone. Do not, do not walk up to me and start talking to me. You absolute weirdo. Okay. Just not into that. So I, I could do a bit of reading. Um, you get to the the gig or you get to the cinema and, and, you know, do that. And, you know, you see the friend, you come home and it's like, that's what I did that evening. No argument. Um, too many distractions at home quite a lot of time, but there you are. So you listen to a podcast on the way, that sort of thing. So yeah, it's good to do that. When I'm at home, as I say, I really, I need to get through it. Do you know what? Someone lent me, um, when I used to, play guitar well i didn't play guitar very well when i used to try and learn how to play guitar my guitar teacher very interesting man who uh used to play in germany back in the early 60s as as bands certainly from britain especially used to do that quite a bit uh people will be you know familiar with the beatles doing it but it's it kind of like a fairly common thing anyway he was out there for a while he lent me a box set a really interesting program called uh, Helmat. I think I'm pronouncing that right. My my German is non-existent, so apologies, folks. But Helmat. And this is Helmat Series 2. There's three series that, that kind of basically chart um, a historic period or another of Germany, and not just the kind of obvious stuff. And this is set in the sort of late 50s and early 60s, and it's about a fellow who goes to music college. And it's it's something like 13 or 14 episodes but every episode is two hours long. They all feature length. It's like a Inspector Morse, if you like, you know, those kind of feature length things. Um, and he lent it to me years ago. And I still, if you're listening, Peter, sorry, I still haven't finished it. <laughs> I keep meaning to, at one point I was honestly going to take a week off work and go, right, fuck it. I'm going to, I'm going to sit down and, you know, I'm going to do X amount of things, go to the gym, go for a run. Then I'm going to sit down all day and watch Helmet until I've got through it. I still haven't managed to do it it's uh that that's it would be good but it's but it's a very good program and i'd recommend it if people get hold of it i know it's on a dvd box set i know it's probably not in print now so they go for about 30 quid um but if anyone's i don't know if i, I have no idea if any streaming channels have put it on but helmet's series two is from what i've seen of the first half of it very very good recommend it um interesting little social history other than that I well, oh, I don't think I've watched anything in recent times, to be honest, man. Um, but getting there, I found some interesting stuff on YouTube, which I'm, as I said, I'm going to do some shows about. But there you go. Yeah. Um, okay, John. Um, so uh, many thanks. Um, I'm really glad that we managed to cover off a lot of stuff this week. Um, I'm glad that we don't have a lot of um, tragedy to talk about. Um, tra- not just tragedy; it's just tragedy everywhere. But. We- we're able to have a respite, shall we say. Uh, John, many thanks, and we'll chat next week, brother. We will indeed, mate, and thank you as ever. Thank you again for um, all of the other help we've uh, you've been giving me when I phone up going, you won't <laughs> And you always, you know, she's great. I always appreciate that. But also, yeah, always good to hear you, and um, enjoy. Play some some fine music for these, these lovely folks. They've had enough of me waffling on for an hour, so um, give them something nice to dance to around the living room. Cheers, Johnny. Cheers, mate. See you all next week. All the Rage with John Bowd. On www.tracksfm.org.